Hello and welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And unless you just downloaded this and didn't even bother looking to see what it was about, and if you did, well, that you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate the loyalty. But in case you actually looked to see what this episode was going to be about, we are doing History of the Marvel Universe, Issue 3. So if you paid attention to the last two ones, you know who's on here again. Peter Rios is back. Hey, Peter. Hey, Al. How you doing tonight? I'm good. Thank you. How about you? How are we doing this night? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes. And like I said, this is History of the Marvel Universe, number three the, of the six-issue 2019 miniseries by Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez with Alvaro Lopez. I Hopefully I'm not butchering those too badly. And, well, normally I would say, okay, we're going to do a synop- I'll put the synopsis in here, but really there's no point in doing a synopsis because... We're just kind of going through it anyway. So the, whole thing, the whole thing is a synopsis, basically. Yes. <laughs> so before we start actually on the issue itself, any thoughts you had in general about this you want to mention in general about the book before we get into it? Yeah, this particular issue, and I think I knew this was going to happen at the end of issue two when they teased that the, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four were going to make that fateful trip out into space, right? That was the cliffhanger from last issue. So I thought, okay, this is going to be the Marvel Universe, the the birth of the Marvel Age, and it's probably going to hit all of the things that I'm at least familiar with on a surface level, even if I haven't read every first appearance of all of these characters or some of the stories that they decided to touch on. Um, so I was, so I was, my thing going in is always, what am I going to learn, right? Outside of looking at the pretty pictures, am I going to learn anything? And are we are we going to get back to the overarching narrative of Franklin Richards and Galactus? Galactus is telling the story to Franklin Richards, right? So, yeah. so those those two things. What am I going to learn? And and you know, are we going to hit those that narrative? Um, the, that's what um, I was thinking about the most. And and I actually did learn some things, and we did get Galactus yeah. and Franklin back again, which was nice. So even though this is a, a, a chapter that I'm quote unquote familiar with, um, it was it was uh, it, it for me it may not have been the most enjoyable issue, for lack of a better word. Like I thought the first issue was so amazing because I was. You know, you're sort of blown away by the art. That whole narrative was very interesting. The second issue sort of the same way. And I thought, okay, this one is probably not going to hit me as hard. But that doesn't mean I, I didn't like it, certainly. And it doesn't mean that it's not important because this is everything that Marvel Comics is, right? So Yeah. yeah. This is the stuff. The, everything was the preamble to what we think of as Marvel. Correct, correct. So I think those were my general thoughts about the issue. Yeah, I had similar thoughts about this when I realized what, you know, looking at the issue, I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, we it's Fantastic Four, one, Hulk, one, Spider-Man, Thor, you know, more or less in the order they came, you know, like like you said, even though I've never read all of those, I read enough that I, and I read enough that had, you know, flashbacks to them that I know. Mm-hmm. I knew Thor's origin even before I read any reprint of Journey to Mystery 83. Mm-hmm. 
I knew how that went. I mean, there was a few things mixed in there, though, that was fun. I mean, I have to say this. This probably is the easier issue for Mark Wade to write. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. And some of the connections, they did make some of the connections backwards, right? Like they did, whether it was talking about, um, oh, I don't know, Namor or uh, I don't even know if Namor is, you know, every now and then they would throw back to a celestial or whatever, some kind of connection like that. But it wasn't like, oh, go read issue two. It was just this is just a small continuation of a larger story that you're you're only really going to get if you read the actual Marvel comics, because we're only just going to really kind of talk about it because there's just so much to talk about. Right. We're hitting the years uh, between what, 1961 and like 1976, seven or something like that. About that. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're doing every, you know, if they're doing a good 10 years or or more than 10 years, I should say, that's a lot to cover. That's a lot of Marvel groundwork to cover. So, yeah. And I will say one thing about this, about this issue, though, the art wise, definitely taking a step up even from before his, his layouts and his way of doing the the panels. Mm -hmm. I, I was more impressed with a lot of the stuff in this issue than I was, I think, in the last two ones, even. And I was oh, impressed enough. Cool. cool. Good. So. everybody it's good to hear from you all my name is sarah century i am a co-host of a podcast named bitches on comics right now i'm drinking a glass of whiskey beer water <laughs> orange lots of different things and i'm staring at a beautiful xena dvd box set if you are Ooh. ever going to put a bet on what I happen to be doing at any given time, this is probably what you would have chosen, and you would be right. And whenever I say you, I'm talking to my co-hosts. <laughs> Hi, I'm Essie Plinor. I'm one of the other hosts of Bitches on Comics. We are a podcast all about queer and trans representation. We mostly do interviews with comic creators and pop culture creators and critics of all stripes. And it's a good time. And we have a, a third host here with us today. Hello, I am Monica Estrella Negra and I am a recent addition to the wonderful podcast, Bitches on Comics. I was kidnapped. <laughs> 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 what if the mic just cut right then? <laughs> we promised you Harley Quinn comics, and this is what you got. We're like, hey, Monica, you want to talk about some comics? You want to be cool? You want to get over here and stay close to me forever? That's exactly how it happened. That they lured exactly me. They lured me, and I fell for it like a sucker. I'm just like, yeah, right. Monica's the one who kidnapped us. <laughs> Yes. Monica does collect us like shiny stones. It's very beautiful. In my basement. Goblin court. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we are a bi-monthly podcast. We have episodes that come out every other week on Wednesdays. And we would love to have you join us. You can tune in at our website, which is bitchesoncomics.com. Or you can tune in wherever you get your podcast episodes. We love to hear from folks. So come join us on Twitter and Instagram. We're hold on to your butts. We're at Bitches on Comics. And we hope to see you there. 
it starts off, of course, with the Fantastic Four. Because that's what started Marvel, as mm-hmm. we think of it. Mm-hmm. We get the Fantastic Four, and ugh, I, I like the way... At first, I, it, I was a little depressed, though, but I, after re- realizing... At first, I thought the first two panels that he has of them transforming, I thought those were like billboards. Oh. <laughs> because the monster they're fighting is... You just see him in the... In the uh, the windshield of the cab. Right, right. But yeah, it's a fun thing to start off with. That's what we start with. Fantastic Four number one. Right. And I like that. I think Wade hit on something that I don't know. And I'm probably either going to say this a lot, a lot, or maybe I should just preface this. Um, some of the things I learned or some of those things that we as comic readers like to put into our head canon, if I discovered it in this issue... I don't want to just blank it by saying, oh, this is the first time that little notion has been brought up. No, I'm sure it might have been touched on somewhere else. And Mark Wade is just a smart enough writer to pick up on it. Or maybe he is creating some of these notions. So all to say, the notion of Reed Richards naming himself Mr. Fantastic has always been like kind of like a joke, right? Like, I'm the thing. I'm Human Torch. I'm Invisible Woman. I'm Mr. Fantastic. You know, he's not <laughs> he's not Mr. Stretchy or anything like that. But Wade's narration here where he says um, he wanted them to be heroes because he refused to let his friends be feared by the world as freaks. So I was like, oh, see, that could be why he named himself Mr. Fantastic. It's publicity. It's marketing. Right. Yeah. And that's why they're the Fantastic Four. And again. Maybe that notion has come up again. I don't want to keep trying to say that every time I have an idea like this. But for reading it in this issue made me a little more uh, fond of the name. And and especially in the Marvel Universe, that has a lot of heroes that are persecuted. So, yeah, Um, I do remember seeing that at least once before. I can't remember if it's been brought up since, but the Fantastic Four versus the X-Men mini Mm, in the 80s. Yeah. In the, if you remember the plot of that, where they have they find a diary that supposedly was written by Reed Richards, where it says, "Oh yeah, if we do this, it's probably going to cause powers. Let's see what happens." Oh, and that they, of course, that was a plot by. Well, can you guess who? <laughs> I don't remember who wrote those. Actually, well, it was a plot by Doom. Sorry. Oh, I, I oh, a, you, mean, sorry, oh you mean? My mistake. Oh, I meant evil plot by villain, not the plot by the creator. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I, I was a little too vague there. <laughs> it was a plot by doing to break them apart but basically it's one of the things it's like that, that was i remember that being from there it's like he brought it up claremont brought it up it's like he tried to do this because he it was his penance you know if i made it if it made him turn into a monster i'm gonna make him at least the most famous monster most popular monster in the world oh cool yeah yeah that's a good notion because they certainly are looked at the other way right they're always looked at as oh why do they get to be heroes and and the X-Men, I, th- I think it even was in a cartoon or a comic where the X-Men were like, you know, why do you get to be popular? And we're, you know, why are you any different than us? So, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice marketing, baby. Touch. Yeah, all marketing. I, it, it fits, too. I mean, think about it. Like those first, like, what, dozen issues or so? Don't they, like, doesn't he have patents and loses money? So they make a movie. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, it turned out, <laughs> I think it was Namor that was behind it right. trying to kill them. But still, like, they go to make movies. Right. They're popular. Yeah, they're, they're all yeah. about that at the beginning. They have their own comic. Mm-hmm. 
Re, uh, Sue was uh, was a, a hairdo influencer. Yes. So it fits. But I'm not sure how often it has popped up since. But it does make sense that someone like Wade would either bring it back or coincidentally think of the same thing. Right. You know, it might be like a deep impact Armageddon situation. <laughs> and then, of course, we move to the next grouping, which is the uh, origin of the Hulk and Doom and the return of Namor and Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And again, now we get this. He's starting to have fun again with the pages. Rodriguez. Right. Where like the tenement building that Na- Johnny Storm finds Namor in is also shows like the two stories are the two panels of him finding him and cutting off his hair. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So good. And the and way like, that Doom's the smoke from Doom's mask, uh, not exactly morphing into the banners change, but it it definitely is. It, it looks leading. like it's part of it though. Yeah, and it leads your eye, right? Like that, the way you read it, and then where are you going to go to next? Right to that right-hand page and that and that narrati- narration box. So it's a perfect eye journey of the eye in, with the artwork. Yeah, and then you follow that to the giant Hulk running over the basically the little castle mm-hmm. window where you can see Doom with the FF to send the time machine, and that brings him right down to Ant-Man, little Ant-Man at the bottom. Right. And as you mentioned before, more or less, they they play a little fast and loose, but more or less in the actual release date of their, or in, in the in in the way they were released public in, in publication. Yeah. Sometimes the 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 years get a little skewed, but that's okay, you know. But it's uh, um, you know, Fantastic Four, and then it was Hank Pym. Then it was Incredible Hulk, then it was Namor, Doctor Doom, and then Ant-Man, right? Like, we got Hank Pym before we got Ant-Man. So. That's right, because, yeah, it's like five or six issues later, he t- comes back as Ant-Man. Yeah, so in the in the grand scheme of things, they are, you know, it's more or less correct. Ant-Man was the last one of this bunch. Um, but he did premiere right after Fantastic Four. So I like that they did that. Obviously, like you said, Mark Wade's going to pay attention to that, so it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, the layouts here, just like I said, the layouts in this issue and this next page, the next two pages are two of the reasons why I'm just loving this issue even more. Because then, of course, who he gets his own full page spread because he's mm-hmm. true. It's mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And it's just this whole panel of him fighting probably the Sinister Six, I'm assuming. I mean, we only see three of them, but how often else does Sam and Octodoc and, Fal- and Vulture team up? Right, right. But... The boot, Spidey's boot, which is, you know, he's flipping up. So the boot's like at the top part of the panel and the boot's split up into the panel showing the origin. So good. I mean, oh, God, the guy, he's just like every page was, I don't know, either so much fun or must have been so maddening because it's like (laughs) you got to think of this whole big, different, interesting thing to do. And then you got to do it again for like 20, you know, and again and again and again for like 20 something pages. He has a he has a an interesting design sense. I would love to know what his uh, Javier Rodriguez's um, inspirations were. Yeah. What kind of artwork did he grow up with non comic book that makes him think of these these layout designs? Because they're yeah. they're stunning. They're stunning. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, I love that page so much. Yeah, this is good. I, the Spider-Man page was my favorite page until I get to another 
page later. But it was as I was reading, I was like, oh, that's my favorite so far. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I, I have, you know what? I'm going to say this. It's now maybe it's just because he's making me look at the page more. I'm not a big fan of heights. It's not often that I'm reading a Spidey comic. And yeah, you know, he's flinging up there in the sea and the, you know, the rooftops and all that. But it's not very often that I'm looking at the page and going, okay, Dan, that's really high up. <laughs> like I said, I don't know if that's him doing the perspective better or just because of the way he's doing the layout of the page that I'm staring at it longer and realizing. Right. It all makes sense perspective-wise. The boot right near your face, looking at Spider-Man upside down, at the, the villains looking up on top of the buildings, and then the way the buildings... You know, you don't you barely see the streets. Yeah, it's it's great. It's yeah, it's a it's a marvel. I mean, the, this whole, you know, I, I'm not reading ahead, but so far the first three issues are it's like you want to study comic book art that is non-traditional in in panel design. This is the book to look at. Yeah. Or a way where you can do storytelling, even if you're not telling a singular story. Correct. I mean, because like it's like that last page, the second and third page with the Hulk and everything. That's storytelling there, because you you go from the one part to the other, and yet those are this is what one, two, three, four, five, five stories. Right. Ugh. And the next page is a lot of fun, just because of the way of the uh, panel break, the how the panels are broken down with the whole, all the wires and all the the circuits and everything going down into Tony's armor. Mm-hmm. Splitting the panel in half as well. Yeah, we get Iron Man and Thor showing up. Ugh. That nice giant image of Thor just looking so damn happy. <laughs> and I like that they were he was able to or they were able to. I don't know if it was, you know, how much uh, Mark Wade is also dictating, but that they were they put in three different at least uh, costumes or armors for Tony Stark. Yeah, the gray, the original gold, and then, like, the, I guess, early classic one. Yeah. With, like, the horns. You know, that really is kind of creepy, actually, that that third one. With, like, it almost <laughs> looks like a devil hit, devil thing, and, like, the mouth has, like, the lines in it. <clears throat> right. They still hadn't, they still hadn't really na- nailed down <laughs> a design yet. And I do like how he does make him look a bit more like he did back then with the Howard Hughes look as opposed to the uh, Robert Downey Jr. look. Right. And also the the notion that he can fix his suit with screwdrivers, right? Yeah. Like, because it's still early enough. It's not so high tech just yet. Yeah, that he's that he needs like, you know, he doesn't need advanced technology just to work on it. Right. And then, well, of course, there is no history of the Marvel Universe without including super apes. <laughs> or maybe that's a Superman history. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. <laughs> but, yeah, we get the first appearance of the Watcher as well as the Wasp and Giant Man. Not as crazy panel design, but I do like how Giant Man basically is both his own panel and the panel border. Right. That's the thing he does very well. Yeah. I mean, you can tell it's not in the same panel as the other part, as the Watcher and FF. Right. And I'm only just, I'm only just now noticing the uh, uh, giant man is standing over a sofa and 
a TV and maybe the chair that she was sitting on in the previous panel. Maybe oh, that's but, possible. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the same, possibly the same, but it does look very similar. Similar, even if you know, yeah, with the little Ant Man helmet in his hand, very symbolic, right? And this is one of those panels where the hist- they're, they're playing a little loose with the history because he doesn't become Giant Man until after the events of the next page the avengers yeah yeah so because when i read it i i thought wait before i even turned the page i was like he's giant man he was and i was thinking was he giant man in avengers number one and i I looked up the cover i could have just turned the next page but i looked up the cover real quick and i was like oh no he's ant-man so um and i don't it's not like i'm saying it's a a mistake or anything like that they're just narratively it makes more sense just to talk about them before it, they talk about the team it makes more sense to put the wasp and giant man together instead of the wasp then the avengers then giant then man right because i mean even the panels even the the caption says um the romantic spark between the two of them would grow and soon so would pym so it even says there it, it's happening soon right right so yeah it, it fits it works still it's close enough it's not like he's they're having a beat yellow jacket already right but speaking of the next two, we got the X, next page. We get the X Men and the Avengers showing up, and even though it's more traditional panels, I like that he's. But even when he's doing the more traditional panels here, he's not doing them exactly in the regular way of like four panel grid or six panels or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like your peanut butter and jelly cut in triangles. Even the panel design isn't symmetrical from one page to the other because one has a clear gutter on the left but on the right like giant man the the split is because of the coloring and because of the the bodies of magneto and captain america but what you're doing is you got the avengers on the outside of these two pages and you have all of the x-men and their villains on the inside so it's still i didn't even catch that it's still you know there's such thought behind it oh even though they're two separate pages you're right Mm -hmm. it does completely fit Mm-hmm. And that's why it makes sense that this is like one of the pages where in that gutter, like Iceman and Jeans and Hankus, they're, you know, they're still in the gutter there right, right. on that side, even though the Avengers and, you know, fighting Loki doesn't you know it's a it's a clear cut between them. Right. You know, there's nothing in that little space in between. Yeah. So good. So good. It makes these it makes some of these early stories look better than they are. <laughs> I mean, a lot. I mean, it's I'm up. I mean, I'm not talking like time wise of like, oh, you know, you look at stuff from the golden age and yeah, it's stuff that excited people back then. And now you can look at a lot of them and go, yeah, it's not really that, you know, they kind of cut it out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But there's always some good stuff anywhere. But I mean, some of these like some of the early X-Men's weren't that there's a reason why X-Men was like the least popular, I think, of most of the early Marvel. Right. For even as prolific as Jack Kirby, some one of those titles is going to suffer if he's doing all of those titles. A month, yeah. you know, he's doing Avengers, he's doing X-Men, he will, he would pick up on, um, he's doing Fantastic Four, you know, so it's like, yeah, some, something along the way has got to suffer a little bit. <laughs> yeah, although, it's kind of funny, you think he would have paid more attention to X-Men, just because he does like that whole hidden, you know, race of people living there amongst that humanity, I mean, mm-hmm. Inhumans, Eternals. right. He comes back to that a lot. And yet the X-Men was like the original version of that. And that's kind of the book. He was like, yeah, I'm out. 
And to be fair, it could have also been the inkers, right? Like there are a lot of Thor books that I read that the, I'm not as fond of whoever the inker is on Kirby as opposed to maybe one of his other works. So sometimes also the inking true was I not mean, strong. Yeah. I mean, I think of other Thor books, like for instance, when you get like Joe Sinnott inking it, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, okay, it's gotta be pretty. It's probably gonna be pretty good because Sinnott will fix whatever problems there are usually. But yeah, we get that the other page where the Matt Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and Cap coming back, mm-hmm. joining the Avengers, and then we get to another cool page where we have the Hulk thing battle, but it's. Cir- it's a circle panel, and on the top and bottom is the, is Daredevil showing up on top in the original costume, and on the bottom, swinging around again in the red costume. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so cool! With his mentor stick, just yes. bare- barely up in that panel up there. Oh, yeah, stick makes it kind of fits. Stick would make it just a tiny cameo. It's like I'll just be here. All right, I'm out. Right, because he wasn't part of those early origin stories, right? That was a creation later. So that was a that was a Miller edition, right? So you could even look at it in a in a kind of metatextual way that yeah, we're going to put him here. Technically, he wasn't part of, but they do that a lot with all of the origin stuff. They have to mix in fifty, sixty years, or whatever it is by this point of of Marvel comics. Yeah. I mean, you could almost take Stick out there, and he's so small there. You just white him out. He doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's also easy enough to go, yeah, he's there. I mean, even when you read that origin, he's really not that huge in Matt's... I mean, that huge. I mean, he's in the... Because uh, the thing they say to read from his origin is, besides issue one is and issue seven, where he switches costumes, mm-hmm. is the uh, Man with Daredevil, the Man with Fear miniseries from, like, 93. Right. right. And, which I... It was one of the first Daredevils I read, but like, yeah, when I reread it, it's like, yeah, Stick is only there for like an issue or so. Out of all five. Mm. He shows up for a little while when Matt's a kid, when he first gets the powers, and Matt does something stupid, makes a mistake, and he goes, all right, that's it. What You got one shot, and I'm out. That's it. You screwed up once. <laughs> uh, literally, he's like, you made one mistake, out. Here, go meet Electra. Have fun. <laughs> but on the other hand, when we were talking about the X-Men, with the, those issues weren't that good, that Hulk thing fight is still pretty cool. Uh, was it Fantastic Four like twenty four and 20, uh, 25 and twenty six? Yeah, I haven't read that. That's is one of those spots as I was going through the, you know, the 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 back page of the appendix or what do they call it? The annotations, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would or I would look up the issues myself and I would go, oh nope, haven't read that one. Haven't read that one. Yeah, actually, I read that originally. Maybe it's one of the reasons I like it. I read that originally. It was one of the early things I had. It was one of the tr- early Marvel treasuries. Oh, uh, okay. And it reprinted both. I think it was like a holiday one because it has like Marvel Team Up 1, which is like a Christmas story. And there's also, I think there was a Black Widow from like Amazing Adventures, like 10-page story in there as well, but that was a holiday one. But it also has these two, you know, that's nothing to do with a holiday. It also had those two issues of Fantastic Four, so... Mm. Reading in that big treasury size when you're a kid makes it look, you know, made it look even cooler. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then we go, this is actually one of the more traditional pages. As we get right. the uh, Cap's kooky quartet forming the Avengers and the wedding of Reed and Sue. Mm-hmm. It's just very normal. It's it's almost like a, it's like, it's like it's only a little palate cleanser in. It's like, okay, we went crazy here for a little while. Let's do something normal for a page and then we'll go back to crazy. 
especially if if he has some kind of time, you know, he has only only so much time on a page. So or double yeah. page spread. So maybe he got to this one is like, OK, I lost some time from doing a couple double pages previously. Let me just do this one quickly. It, I'm just thinking about it. It also kind of fits more. We're seeing more quiet things. I mean, that issue of event, you know, like it, Avengers, you know, them changing. It's just them there for like a press conference, which is kind of that, that issue ends with like them just saying we're the new Avengers mm-hmm. and the wedding is. There is the big fight, of course, but they don't really show the fight. They mention it, but it's just like it's like a quiet page. Right. It's I like do, stuff happened, but it just it was big, but it wasn't, you know, earth shaking. Yeah, I really like, though, you can see Jay Jonah shouting at Parker to tell him to get the picture. Yes. <laughs> and you could see in the back, like behind Daredevil and Doctor Strange. And I think that's supposed to be Stan and Jack in the top hats. Right. Right, because they were kicked out at the end of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, so story-wise, you know, he still has a lot of the elements going that are great. And then the next page, even though it's still more or less of borders, I do like how he kind of... It's not traditional size borders. Like it's like, it's kind of falling mm-hmm. to the point yeah. where the last border with the Silver Surfer in it, it's, the next panel is, his, is in his board. Right, yeah. Because, yeah, we get the uh, Inhumans showing up, the Black Panther, and, of course, Galactus. All from the Fantastic Four title. All from, like, a run of, like, ten issues. Yeah. Because that was in there. I mean, we we saw Medusa beforehand, but 44 was the Inhumans, 52 was Black Panther, and 48 was Surfer and... uh, Galactus, uh, yeah. Galactus, yeah. Yeah, they all flowed one into each other, and the only thing in the middle there that isn't referenced here is, well, this man, this monster, issue 51. So it's not like we're talking about something that, you know, stunk. Right, right. And that was a run of issues I actually read. Um, I read the, this man, this monster only in the last, maybe in the last eight to ten years, um, and then read the Galactus trilogy and was just, you know, so blown away. Because I had seen panels. I've certainly seen panels or it was recreated. Alex Ross did a couple of the recreations in Marvels. Yeah. You know, it's it's all over the place. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then read it for myself for the first time. It was just, just like... Well, of course, no wonder. No wonder it's it's so classic. Yeah, even some of the issues before the Inhumans, when you have them fighting the Frightful Four, I had read several of those before, you know, before I read some of these later ones, and those mm-hmm. were so just, that you could see it was starting to, they were really starting to ramp up together. Right. Doing right. that book. But yeah, the This Man and This Monster is the one I read earliest. I had that, uh, came out in, like, I think the early, like, 91 or something. It was, uh, like, Marvel 50 Fabulous Years. It was a big hardcover book. Oh, yeah, I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I Actually, I thought it was lost. And, and then my parents unpacking from their move recently, it turned out it was in something else that they had. It must have got mixed up in something else. And so when we moved like two moves ago, it was with their stuff. Ah. So we just found it. I just brought it home like two weeks, uh, several, like a month ago. And yeah, they reprinted. That's reprinted in there in full. All right, well, back to, and now we're going back to complete crazy two-page spreads. This is my favorite spread. I can, yeah. This is an awesome one. I mean, and this is, makes sense it's crazy, because we got some crazy crap going on here. We got the first Cosmic Cube story with Cap and the Red Skull fighting. Mm -hmm. 
The Wedding of Yellow Jacket and Wasp, which is probably crazier, I would say, than the Fantastic Four wedding, in my opinion, at least. Not as many villains, but just the fact of, well, Hank Pym. <laughs> I killed, I'm Yellow Jacket, I killed Giant Man. I mean, I am Giant Man, but, you know, same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Captain Marvel and the Nihilus and the Burfa Franklin. Right. And yeah, it this all is, just flows. This is so uh, to again talk about your eye moving through the page. Um, you could do it on well. You could start from a number number of places. You could start from Captain America and Red Skull. But I actually, if you start like with Yellow Jacket and Janet, then go up, then back down to to White and Green Captain Marvel, then back up again to Annihilus, and then. Following the Fantastic Four, Mister Fantastic's arm to yes. Franklin Richards. It's, it's that's beautiful. It's just oh. so. You almost wonder, like I, I want to know how you how he thumbnailed this, right? Like, okay, let me. I got all these things I got to put on this page, and then once you thumbnail it, where do you start? I mean, clearly the green and white Captain Marvel is is sort of the foremost image. And maybe you know what you're going to wind up with, but you got to there's layering involved in this, right? Like, oh, the, yeah, I mean, the, just the way he does like the two isle, the two islands that like Cap and the Red Skull are standing on. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the one Cap's on, you have all the AIM agents kind of in the background, all in these yellow and a little bit of black costumes and going down to the bottom where they're right in front of them in full, you know, full front, full front down background is the yellow and black colored yellow jacket. Mm-hmm. And then the other side, the red skull is out, and you go down on that, and it kind of goes towards like to the uh, the sentry's arm, right? The Kree sentry that he's fighting, right? Like he makes it all fit together, and and like the visual beats of the the cosmic cube falling, you can connect that to the negabands, and then you can connect that to the control rod. You know, like it just yeah. it's it's. That that's why this is my favorite page. It's it just is. It may not be as necessarily flashy as some of the other ones, but there's such thought behind it, and the story stuff in it I really like too. You know, Captain Marvel has always been something I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. um, I like that he he gives the green and white version a little bit of. Or maybe it's and maybe it's also the inker to Alvaro. It feels a tiny bit Gene Colon in the face and, and the way the artwork yeah. is. Just a just a tiny bit. It's like a nod to Gene Colon. I can see that. And plus you don't get you, you don't see that costume reference often. They usually right. reference this, you know, the later costume. Which is what he wore during the Starlin stuff, because that's that's usually what people reference. Right. But yeah, and the appearance, and I mean, a nihilist looks freaky here. So good. The background of the negative zone stuff is so good. I, this reminds me, the one thing I didn't pick up when I was at the comic store today, because I had enough stuff, I didn't want to buy anything else, I'm going to buy it next week because they have plenty, is the new first issue of Defenders Beyond. Mm, yes. Because he's drawing that. Mm-hmm. And him and Ewing, and that first Defenders, that last Defender series they did was great. Yeah, it was so good. Talk about it's almost uh, in a way it's almost like a prologue to the history of the Marvel Universe because 
you know, Franklin and Galactus in issue one of this story, they were talking about, well, they're talking about moving on to whatever's the next iteration of, you know, the cosmos. And that first Defenders miniseries was all about what came before. Yeah. And ah, so, so good. It's everything I love about comics and and cosmic comics and marvel comics and and yeah i was so stoked to read that yeah these are all those are these are both things i definitely need to get myself the collections of because those are things i want to keep nice and he is a big part of it yeah the treasure they they put out a treasury size version of the history didn't they yeah i need to get my hands on one of those yeah i didn't know i didn't get it at the time and i knew i should have i yeah because i got the issues and when I saw that they were doing a treasury size, oh, it's like, oh, but I, I know. Not. I know, but we get to the Franklin origin and then we do jump into the back to the uh, framing story for a bit. Yes. Of the Franklin Galactus. And it's good. And it, and I think it needed it. Right. Like the previous page, there were some pronoun shifts. Right. Galactus is like he says you. And, it's, and if you're just picking up this issue and you didn't read the first issue, you don't know who he's talking to. Until you turn the page and it's like, okay, good. This is good. I like I like that they're back to this. Yeah. It's like now we're talking about you. And we get a little bit of the hints what's going on. Like Franklin's like, but you're coming with me when we go the next right? And he's like, Galactus just kind of ignores him. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not gonna talk about this yet. Let me continue the story. This is better. Right. Let me put it off for a little while longer. Interesting that Galactus says, and this is the whole Marvel time sliding scale yeah. thing. <laughs> he says the 21st century, as you measure it, marched onward. The 21st century. So, like, the Marvel Universe no longer was birthed in the 20th century. Especially yeah. if you do the whole, you know, 10-year, 15-year sliding scale thing. Yeah, uh, it's, all, it's all, like, post-9-11. Yeah. It's, that's just crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> It makes sense. You know, they can certainly, obviously, the World War II stuff. If they actually cement it to a war, that's different. But Yeah. And that's why when we get to the Punisher, for instance, they're going to do what they did. They mentioned last issue where they mentioned that country, Sin Kong. Right. Because now he's a Sin, as we get to the Punisher page in a, in a minute, it's going to be Sin Kong veteran Frank Castle. Right. Not, not Vietnam War. Was he, was he Vietnam originally? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, some people use it. I mean, from what I understand, now I didn't read the uh, Punisher series by uh, Ennis beyond the initial twelve issue miniseries, mm-hmm. the Welcome Back Frank Marvel Knight series. But from what I understand, he did play him as a v- Vietnam vet, which meant he was old. Oh, yeah, sure. He was, sure. He was older there, but that also is the Max series, so who knows how much continuity that counts anyway? Right. Right. But it makes sense here. It's like, okay, we're going to put, you know, he's not tied to Vietnam because now we can make the Punisher just be, you know, 40 forever. And we don't have to, you know, avoid the fact that he's a Vietnam vet, but that was 50 years ago. Right. Right. (laughs) Now, is this um, there's always been hints of Franklin Richards being the most powerful, you know, being in the universe, his connections with Galactus. I mean, that's all well-trotted ground i'm just trying to remember has there ever been did we ever get the notion that he was going to be the last survivor like gallon was and then gallon becomes is this the first time we're playing with this or was that have we seen anything like that before i can't say but i mean i i thought they did 
I want to say there's something from, I think, the Hickman run of Fantastic Four, where you see a, I, I have this memory of like a friend of like an adult franklin saying to me my galactus right yeah and that's i I, that's one i've referenced and there was the notion there was one of the alex ross projects where franklin was galactus it was like a a earth x earth x okay um yes i remember that definitely he was he became galactus yes yeah but this notion that he's going to be quote unquote Maybe the devourer, even though they say here, you know, he's more of a creator. So it would be interesting. It would be interesting if that's what they're if they're saying that Franklin is going to be the one that's going to break away. He he still will have the same journey like like that Defenders miniseries and like Galactus. He's going to be, a you know, this all his, this being of grand power. But maybe in the next cosmos, he's not a destroyer. He's a creator, which could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's another Cosmos, so, I mean, rules could be different. Mm-hmm. I mean, as they showed in those previous Cosmoses, the rules were different in each one. Right. So, who knows what he's going to be. But, yeah, now, about him being the, you know, new Galactus, quote, so to speak, I don't know if that's a creation of this or something else. If anyone's listening and knows, please let us know. Yeah. I'd love I'd to like find it. out. Yeah, that'd be great. I want to read those. And speaking of cosmic, we get to another cosmic page. We get to more cosmic stuff now on the next page mm-hmm. as we get to Marvel merging with Rick Jones and the Negabands and the Kree Scroll War story. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things I read for, we read as, since it was in the, uh, what is that called in the back? Appendix? The, an- the annotations. Annotations, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I read that before, but that's still a story that holds up. That's still fun. Yeah, it's been a number of years since I ventured into the Kree Skull War, um, but certainly, certainly important in the in the development of Marvel history, and makes sense because they're connecting it to things that happened in the first issue, and um, you know, it makes sense to keep those beats going. Yeah, and of course, the or the beginning of the def- origin of the Defenders, right? The right. non-team. Which those early issues, I read those early issues here too for that. This because I got up to basically the next page. I got up to I read up to the beast of sto- beast stories, and mm. that was about as far as I was able to get. But those Avenger stories were fun. Yeah, because they I, all hate each other. <laughs> I read a lot of the the not only their first appearance as the Defenders, but those stories predating the Defenders, where they're like the Titans three. Yes. And, yeah. I did. I read that for one of my comic history ones. So it's interesting to to see some of these stories of things that I am currently reading, like later, um, you know, the giant size era X Men stuff, uh, this Defender stuff, the first appearance of Ghost Rider, um, uh, because it's like fresh in my brain because I've read it in the past months, few months, or past year, um, and it. Even like the narration. So like for the Defenders, they say uh, bringing together these characters to fight threats, both mystical and mechanical. That's I mean, they fought the Undying Ones and they fought that machine that was going to just set off all the nuclear bombs or something like that. Like, yeah, before they before they became the Defenders. So what could be seen as like a throwaway line it actually is not it does it's mean something specific yeah, yeah that first defender story that that yeah that, that computer thing where he like strange freezes it it's like in yeah. times like yeah 
So I thought that was great, you know, and I wouldn't have gotten it if I hadn't read those issues, right? I just would have yeah. said, oh, sure, yeah, that makes sense, whatever. But it has a lot of other layers to it if you actually have read the history. Yeah, and then we get to one of the few times we, unlike the first two issues, everything here is pretty much, like we said, pretty much going in order of what they came out, more mm-hmm. or less. We get one of the few things that this that's stuck in from later time, the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Because that's supposed to be, yeah, that's right, from that first issue, that's where they first... It first popped up the idea after the Kree Scroll War. That's right. One of the best things to come out of um, Civil War was this notion of these characters in the background. I don't particularly like that they, you know, it even says it in the narr- narration. They refer to themselves as the as the Illumin- Illuminati. I'm like, nah, I like I like it more as like a concept as a title, but I don't want them. It's like. When they call themselves the Illuminati, it's too much on the nose, right? Like, we're the Illuminati. Like, no, you're not. You're just a bunch of people. Don't give yourselves a title. You just, you're just a bunch yeah. of people who we can refer to, readers. But so I, did, I uh, don't like that. I can see much, that. But. Although, here's the thing. I can see, now, Black Bolt, Reed Richards, and even Professor X, I can see going, yeah, whatever. I can see Tony Stark thinking of that because he thinks it's cool. And Namor's arrogant enough. And I'm just thinking of those early Defenders issues where he's where Doctor Strange calls the Hulk behemoth every five seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, he might be arrogant enough to go, sure, I'm the Yeah, if anyone's going to be the Illuminati, it's me. It just has so, such a bad connotation. Like, oh, yeah. You're but, setting yourselves you know, up for a fall. But those three, I could see being arrogant enough and egotistical enough to go, maybe they're the ones calling it. Like, the other three, I don't see it. Yeah, they probably roll their eyes. They're like, Ugh. Black Bolt especially, because, I mean, he doesn't say anything. So I think Black Bolt is the master of the eye roll. Yeah, I would be I would be cringy if if, if they were they would call it that. I do like that. Uh, in the, again, in the narration, it, it doesn't mean anything unless you've read or you're familiar with the word in the aftermath of the Kree Skrull War, fearing further incursions from alien races. <laughs> hmm. Yes. They're talking about, but we know that that word is very. That's that's a whole, you know, the whole Hickman thing. It did involve some of the Illuminati and and all that story. So, again, could be just throwaway, but there's some nice meaning into in that word. And we have this this page also includes the Punisher, the Beast, Hank Pym, Hank McCoy turning into the Beast we know of, the Blue Furry Guy, and Ghost Rider. But it's all with the Punisher is basically the panel border between all of them, right? his gun and you got that cool i do love the one that one panel of the beast hank mccoy changing with the beast inside his shadow mm-hmm. although i must say wow that i really did not like the art on any of those hank hank mccoy issues <laughs> i've never read them i flipped through them but i haven't read them really wasn't that great the only one i read that was had somebody i didn't why well, didn't read the last one but issue 16 which is his he fights the juggernaut which is just kind of weird to think about that the beast fights the juggernaut on his own and wins hmm. i like when they when they make beast there's the there's the um battle between him and wolverine in one of the astonishing x-men the whedon cassidy run ish uh oh yes I, where right. they have a they have a bat and he actually holds his own against Wolverine and I dare say he was he was outgunning him a little bit too in that fight. And when he goes full beast, he's uh 
you forget how big he actually can be. Like he's probably just muscle, just just a big old whatever. So well, they also do a whole thing. He gets a healing factor in this one. Like he gets shot multiple times and it just heals up. Hmm. And it's not. So, I don't know if they if it's glossed over. Or maybe I've just never paid attention. But I don't. I always thought of Beast as like still. You know, you shoot him, he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's changed or not. But like in these issues, like he gets shot, and it just doesn't. He's like whatever. Hmm. Interesting. And of course, we got Ghost Rider. And it's Flaming Chopper. Mm-hmm. We're hitting that early seventies. Yeah, we're getting to the trends. We're getting to them picking up on trends. Yeah, we're getting to the bron- uh, the Bronze Age. It's like the seventies Bronze Age Marvel, especially with the next pages. You know, like the we moved out of. In many ways, it's almost like we moved out of Kirby and Lee, and we're getting into the next group of creators that inherited the Marvel universe. Yeah, where they're they're more interested in checking out the corners. Yes. Because that's what we have here. Because we got Shang Chi and Iron Fist, mm-hmm. and you know, doing the the kung fu craze. Uh, Luke Cage, which is you know basically because you know, you know, cop, you know, jumping on the black exploitation movie craze, mm-hmm. and then we get the horror stuff with the uh, Werewolf by Night, Man Thing, Morbius, and well, by association, Howard the Duck. And then that could be Howard the Duck could be kind of like the underground comics stuff. That was oh going yeah. On. Yeah, he fits more with that. Yeah. But yeah, and, uh, you know what? I, I, I do want to continue the reading because like, except for the, well, Morbius I'd read because that's been reprinted in plenty of times. But except for the Werewolf and Howard, which I read recently, the other ones, I never really read the early issues of these. The one thing I did read for this um, uh, beyond just the annotations um, was... You know, as I, as I mentioned early on, you know, what did I learn? Um, so when they're talking about man things, scientist Ted Salas uh, dosed with his own variation of the super soldier serum. And I thought, really, is that part of the story? So I went back and and, you know, did looked at a bunch of synopsis and everybody kept saying it again, like the it was part of the super soldier story. And I'm like, OK, was it or is that like a retcon, you know, because it's part of the Marvel Universe and his first appearance was in a magazine, you know, so and those magazines weren't always usual. I think it was a magazine or or at least it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Savage, Savage Tales. Tales number one. Right. So you do enough Google searches and those pages pop up and and the one. Um, panel where Ted Sol- he, he injects himself, it says the process you've developed that would change an ordinary soldier into an in- indestructible warrior. That They're not saying super soldier serum, but you could certainly look at that and go, yeah, that's, he's yeah. making a super soldier serum. So, um, because like, like we said with the Illuminati, I don't know what information is from the seventies and what information was retconned later. And I just wanted to check that out. And sure enough, I was like, yeah, you could make that. You could totally make that argument that that's exactly what he was doing. So that was cool to learn. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, the super soldier serum is everywhere. Even, yeah. even Luke Cage was, uh, you know, that's right. Wasn't he? I thought I remember seeing that somewhere. Yeah. He was, that was part of an experiment for that. Right. So it's the same thing. So yeah, sure. Totally makes sense. 
And it, it's a cool thing, and it kind of even fits with the current MCU, where like where stuff where like a lot of the stuff in like what Falcon and Winter Soldier was about Cap's blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. So I wonder if that means we'll get something like this here. Maybe we'll get a man thing eventually. I think it's in the works. The the one Marvel like Halloween special or something like that. Oh, have. that's right. That or no, cool. that's that's going to have Werewolf by Night. Oh, and huh. I don't know. I don't I try not to read up on a lot of that, you know, early stuff. I don't I wait till the thing actually comes out. <laughs> no, I can understand that. I mean, I do wonder, though, if the man thing is going to if it's going to be if they do man thing. Uh, I guess if they wait too long, they won't be able to touch on it. But I wonder to touch on the fact that they basically put uh, his wife, Linda, in Iron Man 3. Oh. She's the one he uh, Tony Stark fights in the bar. Oh, I don't remember that. If you rewatch Iron Man 3, she's the one he fights in the bar. I be- I'm pretty sure the name's Linda. That's Ted. That was his wife's name in the comics. Oh. And I'm pretty sure it's the name of the character. And she has the burn on her face that she gets from the original, from the old Man Thing comics. Oh, okay. When he finds out that she was part of it. Well, there you go. Like I said, I mean, now, of course, the, you know, they could tie it in or it could have just been just a fun little Easter egg for the hell of it. Sure. We'll find out eventually if they ever put Man-Thing in somewhere. And speaking of 70s, we get some more 70s craziness as we get the next page with Daredevil and the Black Widow from their time living in San Francisco. And Moondragon, whose origin shows, is giving him Daredevil, which I always thought was crazy. I mean, she's all cosmic and tied in with Thanos and everything, and she pops up in Daredevil. That makes sense. Yeah, and what was her and her first appearance was um, Iron Man fifty four as as a character known as Madame McEvil. I didn't I didn't know that about her. That was another thing I learned. I was like, I just randomly looked it up because I wanted to see the Moon Dragon thing, and then she's running around being called Madame McEvil. I was like, what? I didn't know that. And it's not until the Daredevil that she. Yeah, I think that's what shows up next. Daredevil 105 to 107. Yeah. Which we covered on the show a while ago because that was part of the whole Cosmic Cube, you know, Jim, Jim Starlin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, Jim Starlin does draw the page, does do the pages with her origin. Right. Because that's actually, I'm pretty sure those are the issues where if you look at her origin and the way it's done wordlessly, and then you look at when he does Drax's origin in Captain Marvel, and you can realize that it's the same car crash. That's yeah, yeah. That that's her father, right? But we also get Shauna, and even though he had showed up later, I guess they figured it made more sense to show him here. Kazar, or do you do Kazar or Kazar? I usually say Kazar. Okay. Yeah, and this is another one that uh, have we seen him before? Wait, did we see him in issue two? I don't recall. I thought we I thought the name Plunder was spit out in the second one because I I mean, well, it says it here. Hmm, maybe not. But it's the only reason I say that is because time wise, I mean, he he first appeared in X-Men 10 in 1965. So 
Yeah. We're talking a lot. Well, and to be fair, so did Black Widow, right? She was from 1964, 1963, 1964. Not this version of her. She was a much different version. So, yeah. So this is kind of like a mix of years here. But I understand why they're making the connections. Like you said, they all they all have have some kind of like daredevil thing going. Yeah, it just fit, it fits in more there. Plus, I know Kazar did show up a couple times in Daredevil around this time. Right. As well as Shanna, so it just kind of makes sense. Okay, I'm just skimming through here now. I don't see anything with uh, Kaz- issue two. I don't see anything with Kazar in here. Okay, I might be thinking of Bloodstone. And, and... Bloodstone's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is wild that both of them do have Golden Age versions, although I don't know if the Kazar Golden Age counts anymore. I know the Black, I know the Black Widow from... Uh, Golden Age still counts because she was in the Twelve. Mm-hmm. And then we get one of the big moments of the Bronze Age: the death of Gwen Stacy. I mean, literally, you turn the page, and that's the first thing you see is her death. Right. I was a little uh, disappointed. I I thought maybe that would be a little. This the panel layout's a little more straightforward here, more or less. I, I I was thinking that the same thing. These, it's the last four pages. We're on the last four pages now. I think he was a. He's probably might done. have been a little pressed for time at this point. Sure, right. Because <laughs> everything's a little more straightforward. I mean, the panels themselves are still great looking, yeah. but it's just traditional panels. Yeah. Although the best thing on that one is the third panel of that page with the live Green Goblin. Here comes the uh, Goblin Glider, <laughs> dead Green Goblin. <laughs> I was a little surprised that they didn't end the issue with Gwen Stacy from a narrative sense because so many people say that the death of Gwen Stacy is is kind of like when Marvel Comics grew up or when Spider-Man grew up or, you know, Jerry Conway is like has has said that that's he feels like that has um, marked when comics changed like you know a a major death like that Gwen Stacy on the page caused more or less by Spider-Man or the fight between the two of of them Spider-Man and Goblin so I was a little surprised that they didn't end with that Um, but it certainly makes sense where they do end because Marvel is constantly mining you know what's going on on the next two pages but before we get there i guess we'll talk about this to be fair they are also constantly mining this gwen stacy stuff even before we got spider gwen and gwenpool and every other version of her out they still were mine i mean how many stories went back to that i mean spider-man blue the the wedding issue where you know he spends half the time talking you know at the bridge there um (laughs) that issue those issues it was it the the sins pass from straczynski's run where and Mike Diodot, yeah, where she comes back. Oy. Where you find out that she did have a fling beforehand. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that run, but I kind of, I, I, I just ignore those issues. <laughs> Head wise they don't exist. And, of course, we get a brief mention of the cloning. Mm-hmm. Although they don't touch on the clone, so I wonder if they're going to touch on that in the next issue or if that's just kind of, they're going to save that for the 90s. I think that's going to be a big... I mean, yeah, they might they might do well, they said it here. I mean, they kind of touch on the jackal thing, um, but I could see them, you know, you do the one smaller story next issue. And then for the 90s, you do the the other the they, real thing. Yeah. yeah, they gotta. That's, oh. you know. But yeah, and then we get the Avengers Defenders War. Yeah, I never read that. 
we did that we did on the show. We did that for we did two episodes because cool. well Adam and Panos each have a panel at the end. So that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was an excuse to read it. Sure. And it's a fun one. And then of course the way and we jumped through stuff. I mean, it also kind of makes sense some of these pa- I mean, maybe not the Spider-Man page, but the next page or so makes sense. this page makes sense because these are three completely separate events. Right. You know, we got the Avengers Defenders War. We have the wedding of Mantis and, well, the Sword of the Swordsman, as well as Vision and Scarlet Witch. And then we have Cap becoming Nomad mm-hmm. because of the whole Secret Empire thing. Right. Because who was number one in the Secret Empire? Uh, if only comics had been political back th- gotten political back then. <laughs> I read that article. I read an article from... Um... Was it Engelhart that wrote it, right? Yeah, it was. I believe mm-hmm. it was that, yeah. And and they were like, we wrote this story because Watergate. Like, he just flat out says it. He's like, don't make, don't. He's like, yeah, we wanted yeah. it to reflect Watergate. That's exactly the reason why they did the whole Secret Empire story. So, yeah. How could they not? And that's one of the reasons I want to continue re- going these annotations, because I have to get to that. I want to get I have a reason to read all that, because I've never read that. Oh, nice. Yeah, this that this is all stuff I haven't I haven't even read the death of Gwen Stacy. I've seen those pages more than enough. I've never actually read it though. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I. I mean, it's one of those things that's in there so much that you could feel like you've read it without actually having read it. That, that's a, yep, that's so true. Oh no! Wait, no wait. I have read that one. I have the Marvel Tales. I don't think I've read the the second part, the death of the Green Goblin. Ah, uh, that's the part I've never read. And then we get it's all X-Men at the end, which makes sense because that's what we're leading up to in the 80s where everything was like Marvel as the X-Men and other stuff. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, if it's if it's going to end on anything, giant size is a good even though it's a few it's a bunch of issues after giant size. Just that team. Certainly that marks a, a, a line in the sand when it comes to Marvel. That's it. Yeah, that's a huge event for them. Right. But yeah, we get or Alpha Flight in the Wolverine Hulk issue. And then, yeah, like you said, Giant Size and then Phoenix. Yeah, X-Men 101 and then X-Men 108 and 107 and 108 and 109. If you talk about Alpha Flight, they have it a little bit out of order here, but that's OK. Yeah, which I haven't fully read all those early ones. Well, that's what, and that's what I'm doing now. So. You know, I went back from Giant Size and I've read from Giant Size up to when uh, Weapon Alpha went after Wolverine in 109. So I have actually read all of these stories, except for the Hulk one. Um, And it makes sense what they touched on, right, in terms of the big points, if you want to talk about that, because you're introducing a whole new team, even though the Alpha Flight wasn't there in 109, they were mentioned I think they were mentioned. Maybe, maybe they. Weren't. I think he does at the end. He's at the end. That's where he's like, "I'm gonna bring, have to bring all of Alpha Flight in." I think he says his team. I can't remember. Or maybe the team. Yeah. What I did like in the annotations, um, it it's a it's another story that happens much 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 later, but that annotations where they show the grouping known as just the flight. With Snowbird and Wolverine and Smart Alec and 
Um, Sean Bernard, who was recruited to pilot. I've never read. Oh. I didn't know. I didn't yes. realize about the. Um, that was part of the alpha that they put in later as part of the alpha flight's origin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a, yeah. needle, like someone who could like use like, she just like minor telekinesis, like she could move a needle. Yeah. So it was like almost like a proto alpha flight before the actual alpha flight. Yeah. That one, I, I, I was reading alpha flight at the time. So I, I picked that issue up. No, I'm going to have to read that. Yeah. The, the, the fun thing about this is kind of making you want to go back and go, I've never read this. I should read this run. Which which one? Well, a well, bunch of different ones like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I never yeah, really right. read that FF run straight through, and I did for this one, like forty six to fifty five. I read plus the annual. I read all of that straight through because nice. I've read I've read a lot of that here and there, but not fully. The same yeah. thing with the X Men, even though I, I I don't love it as much forty six to sixty five. At least I've read it. I read it now. Right. I just noticed something. I didn't notice this on the first one, the go around, the, the Wolverine page. His body is in all three panels. His foot connects to the battle in Hulk, connects to his torso and his head in the X-Men. I did. You're right. I didn't that's realize fantastic. that. So he still did something there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> did not realize that. But yeah, there's that. And I never read the Shanna um, series. Mm. Shanna the She-Devil. Yeah. Yeah, and she has her, um, those two little, those two cats or whatever they are, those are her cats. Um, what are their names? I have uh, e- Ina and Beery. Ina and Beery. Okay. So those are her, I think they're even on like the first issue cover, I think, or in the first issue. I wonder what happened though. They, or maybe writers just forgot about them and just remembered Zabu. You're right. Because I mean, it's one thing when she's running around by herself with those those cats. That's cool. But then when like you have a saber toothed tiger, <laughs> that kind of you know draws everyone's attention. Right. But yeah, that's the fun thing about these things. It's like just looking through these things, you know, not going, oh, I didn't know, know that, or like I never read those. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I never like read you, that whole cap stuff. Even the annotations. Um, all of this is stuff that I it's probably because of reading like the uh, handbooks and their origins are always told over and over again. Like even the 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 only thing that I really got out of the annotations was that flight was the flight, you know, otherwise everything else was like, sure, this is all stuff. We're in a we're in a Marvel universe that I kind of know. So now yeah. I think. The 80s, even though I read was reading Marvel in the 80s, there's a lot of I'm interested. I think what I'm more interested to see, what are the big beats that they're going to hit? Um, and are they going to hit the ones of things that I've read? Uh, what are what is Mark Wade and company going to say are the important beats of the next decade? So um, that'll be fun to look forward to. Um, uh, with with stuff that we may we may know already. Now, one thing I say, I must say, I read that I actually enjoyed more than I thought I would was the Punisher one. Oh, I've read. Yeah, I was actually actually more impressed with that. And the fact he doesn't just start killing people right away. They have him start like trying to like bring them down legitimately. Is that Dale Eaglesham on that artwork? I think I think so. Yeah, I think I picked that up and then sold it on eBay, you know. I also like that they they were paying attention because the first issue, the first Punisher, he's tricked by the Jackal to go after Mm spider-man 
And in the Punisher, an issue was one or two when they bring him to the hospital after the whole attack on his family. Who's the doctor from? Who's the, who's like a doctor because the shackle short staff that gets pulled in there? Doctor Miles Warren. Uh. <laughs> like he doesn't have a big role in it, but I'm like, oh, this guy. Who I forget who's writing it, but like he was paying attention. Yeah. I like when they pay attention like that. Like with right. the like I wanna read that to see what happened for cat Shannon's cats, because I'm curious, did something happen to them or is it just that, you know, later creators just didn't think about it? Right. When you got when you got a sexy girl in a leopard bikini or whatever she's in, like, you know, they're like, ah, we don't need the cats. Yeah, and like I said, you got a saber toothed tiger. Who cares about regular cat right, you know, a panther? A jaguar or panther, yeah. Yeah, who cares about that? <laughs> I mean, why do you think they keep the beast as blue beasts and only rarely have they brought him back to be human Hank looking Hank McCoy. Mm-hmm. What's more cool looking? Right. What's more fun to do? But yeah, I'm here. It's been so long since I read this year. I mean, I read it as it came out, but it's been so long since I read it. I'm really looking forward to see what they put in there. Like you said, for the next decade. I mean, I'm going to assume Secret Wars is big in there. Yeah. But so what we, else? We got we went from the early 60s to the mid 70s. So are they going to go mid 70s to the 90s? Or, or mid seventies, I should say, to nineteen ninety. You know, are they going to do another fifteen years? Are they going to do twenty years? Are they going to ten years? I could see them doing fifteen again. Um, well, that would be up to about ninety, and then issue five could be ninety to two thousand five, and then yeah, this was two thousand nineteen, so then six could be two thousand five to right. current. Which means I guess they're going to maybe end. You know, I, again, I haven't looked ahead. Do they end with Venom? <laughs> what what was happening in the 90 or 90, 89 and 90? I forget what was going on in Marvel at that time. So it'd be fun uh, to see. But yeah, Inferno? Secret Wars. Right. They're going to hit Mutant Massacre was during that time. Um, uh, a new Acts person. Of Acts of Vengeance. Right. Uh, another Red Skull Captain America battle. A new Nomad. James Rhodey, right? That's what I think it's probably going to wind up being, right? All the the replacements, the, the replacements for all of these characters. And yeah, we got we got U.S. Agent, you know, becoming Cap, and then Cap is a captain. We have yeah, I, Rhodey is Iron Man. We have Gray mm-hmm. Hulk. We have Better Ray Bill. Uh, will we get the wedding of Spider Man and MJ? You know, because that was wasn't that early, that was late eighties, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he was so. Spider Man. He was married when I started reading. Ah, you know, actually, okay. I mean, actively buying books because that was yeah. who's already married because I started buying Spider-Man stuff actively with like acts of vengeance. The other thing you're going to get is the, you know, like Spider-Woman, She-Hulk. You're going to get all the oh, definitely. All of that late 70s stuff, early 80s. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. I'm looking forward just to, to where where this next chapter goes. Yes. Now, if you have a minute, we do have a letter. Cool. Yeah. From David Spothworth. He was writing after issue two. Okay. So he said, uh, love the history. I was a sucker for all that compiled history stuff, too. Right back to the original Marvel Saga series in the mid-80s and the great DC History Edition 2, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so David, by the way, is from England, just so you know. Oh, cool. The Invaders was the first U.S. title I ever collected. No surprise when you consider it was set in Britain and included characters like Spitfire and Union Jack. <laughs> so the Golden Age is kind of my specialist subject, especially the Roy Thomas version. So here's a few factoids to share with you that you didn't pick up on. Avengers Spotlight 22 suggested that the Crimson Cavalier from Freedoms 5 was an ancestor of reformed villain, the Swordsman. Uh, Sir Steel was named as Hugh Fitzwilliam Dare in the Vampire's Marvel Handbook, 
with the silver squire named Gordon Fitzwilliam Dare. This also suggests they were ancestors of Ian Fitzwilliam Dare, Templar of the First Line. So, apparently connect, well, connecting a couple people. Well, it makes sense. The first line was from that Marvel, the uh, Untold Years, which is by Byrne. Right, right. And that was at, at a time when he was doing, like, the, spir- the, the Chapter 1 Origins, where he was, you know... He was doing like his own version of Roy Thomas of mixing everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see what else. The specific 1920 date given for the birth of the Submariner comes from the oldest source of all. His first appearance in Motion Pictures Funnies Weekly in 1939, reprinted in Marvel Comics 1. Cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's what I know. Because I haven't read. I, I th- if I read this letter, it was when it first came in. I forgot this part. The story of the original Human Torch killing Hitler was not invented by Roy Thomas for that issue of What If. As is usual for Roy, he picked it up from a much older source. It was shown in the Human Torch's 1953 revival story in Young Men number 24. Yeah, I don't think I've read any of those 50 stories. No, I haven't read them either. Or like they that, were referenced in the annotations, yeah. Yeah, no, they weren't, because otherwise I would have read those. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I read everything from issue two, so it, it's not there. But it does make sense for Roy Thomas. I mean, look what he did. I mean, All-Star Squadron, uh, Secret Origins, when he could mm-hmm. just pull right from the Golden Age, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Fred Davies, the second Bucky, who fought alongside both the Spirit of 76 and the Patriot when they were Captain America, has appeared since then. He returned to Nicieza's Thunderbolts as an elderly member of the V Battalion, still walking with a stick after being shot in the 1940s. And his Bucky career was much expanded on the amazingly wonderful 2010 Captain America Patriot series by Carl Kessel. Cool. So let's see. One or, two, one or two more things here. Uh, let's see. You talked about the Blue Diamond having one of those crazy Golden Age origins. Well, he's another character mentioned in Nicieza's Thunderbolts. It turns out the diamond that made him indestructible came from the same extraterrestrial source that powered other stone-based characters like Bloodstone the Sphinx, Dr. Spectrum, and Moonstone. Totally makes sense. Yeah, although I didn't know that they were all connected. That's kind of cool, actually. Although Dr. Spectrum, I guess, well, I guess it's the Earth the Squadron Sinister version of Dr. Spectrum. I think he was 616. Uh, and finally, let's see. If you're a Monster Era fan, I recommend Incredible Hulk Annual 5 from 70, 1976. It figures the Hulk fighting versions of Zemu the Titan Goom, Diablo, The Blip, Taboo, and Groot. <laughs> and says, and now, thanks to you, I'm getting on with my rereading project of The Lost Generation, The Marvel's Project, and The Mystery Men. And that's, not to mention The Thunderbolts. Cheers, yeah, Steve. That Thunderbolts run is so good. And it's oh, and it, yeah. one of the, the, that particular run, um, touching yeah. back on Golden Age and Silver Age of Marvel, so good. Yeah, I love that whole run from Thunderbolts. So from the beginning, from the Busiak all the way through the Nicieza. It's one of those times where you, there was a series where like it, a creator had a vision for it. Right, you know? right. Or those creators, at least. I could say Busiak and uh, Bagley. Right. And usually when you lose them, it doesn't work as well anymore. Or at least it's very different. And Thunderbolts felt like it, even though it's Nicieza's version, it's still... Was the, it kept going on? There was a continuity to it. It just felt like it was the same series. Yeah, I almost was even after I had done. I mean, once I got into the Fight Club stuff, I was out. I left. But I, I looked oh, yeah. back and was like, I as as much as I loved the concept of how Thunderbolts started, I think even Busiek realized there's only you could only go so far with it. Without saying it, you know, but but when Nietzsche is, it was almost like a whole new 
story or a whole new way to use the characters. And in many ways, I I really like Nietzsche's run, maybe even a little bit more than Busiek's run, because it dug into Marvel history and it and it opened up the Thunderbolts, you know, to, yeah. to other stories. And they bring in that what that minor X-Men villain, the ogre. Yeah, they had, it just it was just a tour through Marvel history in a way. And um, and it was nice because they got away from the the secrets of the Thunderbolt. Right. Like, I think Busiek was stuck about and, and rightfully so. It was all about their secret. Even when their secret was revealed, it still was about like their secret, you know, bringing in Hawkeye to to try to give him credence and value and whatever. Um but no, I mean, I, it, it, there's no favorites. It really, the entire run is just up to the Fight Club. The entire run, yeah, I was fantastic. I was not a fan of that one. No, I mean, I might have to read that on its own. I was thinking about doing a Thunderbolts reread, but I might need to maybe to give it a, a fair shot. Read those issues just before I do that, and just treat it like a mini series. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's something totally different. Because <laughs> who wrote that? Um, isn't it, I forget his name. Isn't he the same guy who wrote like he did like the runner Doom Patrol and Major Bummer for DC? Oh, John Arcudi? Yeah, it? I thought that was him that wrote that. Maybe. And oh he, boy. And I mean, I love that runner Doom Patrol he did. Yeah, he's not a bad writer. So if it is him, yeah, John Arcudi and Francisco Ruiz Velasco. Yeah. Oh, so see be, that? Wow. Yeah. So like I might need to read that in reverse order. I might need to read that first and then <laughs> go back and read Thunderbolts and just stop with that last issue and treat them like two different books. Yeah, just to give it a fair shake. Yeah, because I think that's the problem. I mean, I mean, that's a problem that like Ecstatic could have had. Except I think, you know, the creators on there were especially like, uh, you know, were much more high profile popular. Yeah. When they did that, but I mean, when they took X Force and went, okay, we're gonna take this X book and get rid of everything and make it completely brand new, you know, similar thing, right? But it's you know, it's all Red doing it, so you had a lot of people going, okay, I'm in, right? And Arcudi is definitely not as he's much more niche. <laughs> like I always got the feeling from these books. You know, I mean, well, look up major like what he did, like major bummer. I mean, you can't get more, you know, that's pretty damn niche. Yeah, yeah. And his Doom Patrol one was a little was weird as well. If you read that one, no, I have I, I've collected it, but I still haven't read it. It's weird, but I mean, it makes but that makes sense for Doom Patrol. But he did his own weird. He didn't do he didn't do. I'm gonna copy Morrison weird. <laughs> it's feedback time again, and this time we are talking about feedback from episode 163, Dark Dark Demon Knight where Brian Zeno and Tim Price join me to talk about the final Bronze Age appearance of the Scarecrow. No, not that one. Or that one. The other one. From Marvel 2-in-1, number 18. And this episode got likes and shares on Facebook from Tim Price, Mirko Mackey, Joe Sedano, and Ruth Sutherland. On Twitter, it got likes and retweets from Scott A. Hutchins, Long Box of Darkness, Doc Strange, Viet Nguyen, David Finn, Capes and Lunatics Podcast, Alan Sharp, Nathaniel Devon Sanford, Jason Snake Venable, Ed Moore, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Into the Weird, Brian Z, no, not that one, the other one, Chris Lydon, Brian, Rath Jackson, Pez Artie Arts, Jay Vuse, Justin Steiner, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Dave's Comic Heroes Blog, Derek Moreland, parentheses, he slash him, Brian Ciufo, 
Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, No Chaos, Damn It, Sleepy Reader, and Into the Night. We also got a like on post on Tumblr for that one from EVP Blog. So thanks to all of you for liking and sharing. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week-ish on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. You can find that show on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Links in the show notes. And on that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC comic sci-fi series Legion and Rebels. And right now we are on almost done with the first volume of Rebels. So go on and check us out. All right, you want to talk to me? You want to talk about something that we said in the episode? You have a comment? You just want to like and share? Here you go. Send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Like and share the posts on Facebook. Just go into Facebook, type up, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box. We will pop up. Tumblr, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And, of course, we are on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. This show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you are going to hear a promo for one of the other Collective shows right now. Hey there. I'm sure you know about the Capes and Lunatics podcast, but have you heard about the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast? It's a fun home for classic and new reviews of just about everything. We have the Ultimate Spider Cast, where we cover everything Spider-Man. The Quantum Zone, where we talk the classic Marvel character Quasar and do deep dives on the cosmic side of Marvel. We also have Comic Capers, where we cover everything old and new in comics. It could be anything, any company, any decade. And we also have our Media Mondays, where we cover some kind of TV show, be it a... Arrowverse uh, current hits or our summer specials where we do reviews of uh, classic episodes of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff Angel. So, if you're a fan of pop culture and media, you should really check it out. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. But yeah, that was issue three. Cool. So that was fun. Yeah. And... Yeah, this was better. I mean, this was better than I thought it was going to be initially. Because, like I said, I'm like, ah, I know this is nothing new. Like the first two, I felt like it was almost like archaeology. Yep. Let's like let's find all of these little different pieces and piece them together and figure out how this worked. And really, I think if if readers are, uh, I mean, because you can read this so many different ways, right? You can read all six issues. You get a history of the Marvel universe. Boom, done. You could read the individual chapters based on which one is your marvel universe which one did you start on right so like someone who grew up in the original marvel age or grew up in the 70s you could read this issue three and that's probably going to be your favorite chapter i think you and i probably issue four is the one that we jumped into the marvel universe with yeah so it's gonna so it'll be interesting to see how we connect to those stories um, because we probably read them firsthand or we're more familiar with them. Same with the nineties, same with the last issue. So, um, I, yeah, I, could, I, could, I didn't think about that. You're right. Cause I mean, one and two, even though it takes place, a lot of it, like golden age stuff, a lot of them are still mixed in stuff. That's mo- more modern in different times. So it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. for the most part stuff that came before, but yeah, this is all stuff that came out that came out before I was born. Right. So it's a little, it's different. It's like you said, I like that. It's archaeology, it's it's research, it's reference material. We didn't live it, right? Yeah. So if you're talking about the history, um, 
issue four, I'm assuming, is the history that I lived. So it'll be real interesting to see uh, what our conversations and what it what are we going to focus on or what are the things that are going to stand out. And looking at it now as history and not just stuff that's happening as we're reading it. Yeah, right. Because, you know, it's different when you look when you have stuff coming month by month as opposed to looking back at the whole thing. Mm hmm. That'll be interesting. All right. Well, thank you again for doing this. Um, sure. So before we finish off, make sure people know where to find you. You can go to thedailyrios.com. That's my website. Hosts my podcasts, I think. Uh, my contact info f- to other places on there. Maybe it's not, but <laughs> the Daily Rios or my Twitter, Peter J. Rios. That's the, those are the best places. Well, links for both will be in the notes anyway. So awesome. click on either one, find out which what, what's going to work, people. All right, that's all for this time. We'll be back eventually with an issue four. Thanks again. And thank you, everyone. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Let's stop recording.